we ought to pause for a moment and consider the glorious words that we have just sung. Come, O come, immortal Savior. Come and take thy royal throne. Come and reign and reign forever. Be the kingdom all thy own. Indeed, glorious is his name. And thus glorious is this day. And glorious is the sight of all of these graduates ready for deployment in the service of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the gospel of Christ, for the ministry of the word, by the power of the spirit. If you are not inspired and moved and joyful in the sight of an assemblage of graduates such as these, I fear for your soul. This is the kind of sight that makes God's people happy. And the magnitude of this sight only happier. We do welcome you to this commencement ceremony. It is a familiar sight. All around us are schools and institutions celebrating commencement and graduations. These days we graduate kindergartners. But we understand there are graduations and there are graduations, commencements and commencements, beginning and ends that are more and less important. And as much as every passage of life is worthy of its own recognition, this is particularly pleasant in the sight of the Lord. What we are witnessing here is something altogether different. We are not handing out trophies to all as if this is a great soccer game. This is the recognition of incredible work and dedication and long learning and study, of faithful teaching and investment, of hours that have been minted into days, turned into weeks, turned into months, turned into years of consecrated study. We're witnessing something momentous here. I want to invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 16. One of the great questions is what kind of text would come to mind on such an occasion as this? And I want to direct our attention to the closing words of the, of the epistle of Romans. Paul writes in Romans chapter 16 in verses 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, looking at this text raises an interesting question. How exactly would the Holy Spirit have the Apostle Paul to conclude the epistle of Romans? Consider what has already been revealed in Romans. Consider how the epistle begins, Paul's letter to the church at Rome, in which he declares he's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Just consider how much has already been revealed in the successive therefores of the book of Romans. The gospel itself defined. The Christian life applied. We understand the book of Romans stands as that great titanic center of the New Testament. It's a letter, but it's more than a letter. 
It is a letter inspired by the Holy Spirit, not only through Paul to the church at Rome, but to the church wherever the church of Jesus Christ is found. And it describes in such majestic and comprehensive terms the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how would Paul end? He ends beginning this paragraph with this introduction. He says, now to him who is able to strengthen you. So oddly enough, the book of Romans ends not only with a conclusion, but with a a finale, a, a fanfare. The apostle Paul is not finished and the Holy Spirit is not finished with the Apostle Paul. There is more here that demands our attention. This is not just a way of ending a letter. Interestingly, Paul writes to the church, speaking of the one who is able to strengthen. That's interesting. I want to tell you graduates, as I look at you, you look very strong. You look good. You look healthy. You look ready, but you are not strong, and you are not ready. You look really good, but you are not up to this. You are not up to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not sufficient for these things. None of us is not one of us. Not one of the ministers of the gospel of Christ is sufficient. Every single one of us at every single moment is dependent upon another's strength. We are continually always until Christ takes us home. We are always in need of strengthening. And we are never weaker than when we think that we are stronger. And we are perhaps never stronger than when we sense that we are weaker. Now unto him who is able to strengthen you. Here is good news, important news. Here, here, here's a briefing Paul is giving to the church. You, we, all as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ need to be continually always strengthened. And a part of the function of the ministry is by God's grace through the ministry of the word by the Holy Spirit to strengthen the church. But the ministry also must be strengthened. And the question comes, who then can strengthen us? Only one. He who is able to strengthen us. You know, at first glance, at least in an English translation, that doesn't look all that strong. He's able that's it? He, he's, he's able to do this? But this is where we need to keep in mind what is behind this text, an understanding of Christ's solitary ability, his solitary sovereign ability to save, his ability before the world was created to bring into existence all things. His ability, his singular solitary ability, even now, to hold all things together. His ability, his individual solitary ability to make all powers reign only under his feet. He's the one who is able, and he alone. Think of other texts that to bring this very truth to mind. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 
Paul also writes by the Holy Spirit, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever. Amen. Think of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, where the writer of the book of Hebrews by the Holy Spirit writes, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then perhaps most famously in the New Testament, Jude, verse 24, the doxology to this briefest of epistles where we read, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. Paul is speaking of the one true and living God. He is speaking of God alone who can and does strengthen us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The who. The who is answered, but how? How, how exactly are we strengthened? I want to give you three words of encouragement. And if you look at the text, every one of these is introduced by the words according to. That is in accordance with. That means by the authority of. Explained by what follows. According to. How does Christ strengthen us? How is he who is able to strengthen us? How does he do this? Well, first we are told, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. So the first reality that we have to know is that we are strengthened because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The, the, the first explanation of, of how he is able to strengthen us, which is the promise that he who is able will strengthen us, that that comes down to the fact that we know so according to the very gospel that Paul preached, the gospel of which he was not ashamed, the gospel that he declares everywhere, the, the gospel that Christ has commanded his disciples to take and to teach everywhere. In accordance with that gospel, we are absolutely confident that he who is able to strengthen does and has and will. The promise of the gospel is exactly what Paul points to here. And he makes it clear by writing about the, the gospel that he owns. He, he names it. It's the gospel I preach. He doesn't mean it's just about him. He means it is the sole explanation for his life. How did Saul become Paul? Only by the gospel of Jesus Christ. How did Paul endure all that he was called to endure? Only by the gospel of the Christ that he preached. And that according to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Where Jesus Christ is preached, Christ's people are strengthened. There's a second according to, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. This is, this is the second reason, the, the second factor that we are to look to. It is the fact that he who is able to strengthen us does so according to his word. 
Paul here writes of the, the, the reality of the, of the Christ and the coming of the Christ and the identity of the Christ and the unveiling of the Christ, which is, as he writes elsewhere, as if, as if the veil has now been removed. And in Christ, there is no longer a veil. Now we, know, we, we, we see God by Christ. We see truly. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth according to the revelation of the mystery the mystery of the gospel the mystery of the of the messiah that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed now now disclosed the gospel of jesus christ the reality of the incarnation the facts of the gospel his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection the mystery of the fact that the one who was israel's messiah is the very one who is a savior our savior the mystery that was hidden for the ages but is now disclosed. And notice that Paul goes on and says, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. Now, as you know, the, the New Testament was only coming together. Paul, after all, is in this very letter inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the book of Romans. It will be in the New Testament. But in speaking of the prophetic writings, this points us to the written word of God, to our dependence upon the written revelation of God, our dependence upon the scripture, according to the scripture. We have the reflex and what has been inculcated in you through hours and months and years of study of the scripture is the instinct to turn to scripture. When we need to know, when we need to explain, when we are ready to preach, when we are about to teach, when we need our own soul fed, and as we prepare to feed the souls of others, our instinct is to turn and that right instinct is to turn to the word of God. Paul says, according to the mystery that was kept secret, but it's not secret anymore. It's now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to whom? To all nations. Paul says there's a third according to, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. The command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Faith is not just a choice. Faith is not just an exercise. Faith is not just an expression. Faith is, is, is not just a response. Faith is an obedience. Faith rightly defined in scripture is an obedience. It is, it, it is an initial obedience and it is a long obedience. It is an eternal obedience. The first demand of the gospel is to believe. And, and, and that's a command to which response must be obedience. And, and then there's the response to repent. And that is a command also, the only response to which must be obedience. And, and then there's the command to be baptized. And the only rightful response to that command is, is, is to obey. But the gospel itself is here defined as the obedience of faith. Our response to the gospel is an obedience. And Paul says that it is so that the one who is able to strengthen us strengthens us according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. What does that mean? It is the command to preach. It is the command to teach. It is the command to take. It is the command to tell. It is the comprehensive command that we are to live according to the command, not the suggestion, not the strategy, not the tactical manual, but the command of God. What you see here 
brothers and sisters, in these graduates is the answer to a command. We, we, we refer to it as a call. The Bible calls it a call, but it is a call, but it's not a call that was offered to these graduates for their consideration. It's a call that came as a command the only rightful response to which is obedience. And that's what we are seeing here and celebrating here today is an obedience. Graduates, an obedience in you. In obedience, we celebrate. An obedience of faculty called and commanded to teach. An obedience of so many who have made this institution possible. The obedience of churches that are committed to theological education and want to make certain that there is a faithful ministry to serve the church till Jesus comes. The obedience of friends and others who have given and, and, and generously supported this institution such that you could receive the investment of this theological education. The obedience that is reflected in every course, in every class, in every professor, in every every hour of study and an obedience that will be now demonstrated in every dimension of your ministry. In obedience, most importantly, which is an obedience to bring about the obedience of faith. And where will or could Paul end, of course, but in doxology to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and as Paul ends with doxology, so do we. As we began celebrating what we see in these graduates and as our exhortation to these graduates is that we love you and we celebrate you. We thank God for you. We are excited to see what God will do in your ministry. We are looking forward to see how God will water his church through you and establish congregations where they do not yet exist through you as much as we glorify God in this. We glorify God in redeeming a church by the blood of his son and gifting that church with ministers who have served since the time of the apostles until now. What could we say in light of this sight but to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ? Amen.